Jay Cut, and this is The K-Cut, a movie podcast for movie lovers. Uh, my name is Andreas. I am one of your fellow co-hosts. I am the creator and one of the writers over at Films Fatale. I love international and art house cinema and a little bit of everything in between, but I'm sure that's going to be tested today. Who else is here with me? James here, content creator. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul. One half of the Piranha Say podcast. I also sometimes contribute to Films Fatale. And yeah, I'm pretty excited to, you know, get out with this episode. Who else is here? I'm Rachel, and I also write for Films Fatale. I love international film and lost movies and all things classic, which may help in these clues today because we are doing a trivia episode. What's funny is last time we did it because we were inspired by a badass woman on Jeopardy, Amy Schneider. And now there's another badass woman on Jeopardy, Matea Roach, who is currently tearing up all the records. And she's from Toronto, went to the same college as I did. Um, so in just because we all like questions and answers and trivia and fun facts, I thought it'd be fun to bring back another episode. Shout out to, to Matea, who's uh, who's killing it. Yes, most certainly Toronto represent between that and turning red. I feel so so excited to be a Torontonian in 2022. So much love across the board. We, we're we kind of awesome here. Uh, James, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're not a part of this, uh, but uh, you could very well be if you move up here. It's only a five-hour drive and a whole other country. That's also bad. Yeah, I'm not too far away, so... All right. So since these are your, uh, this is your your show, Rachel. I think I yeah I did the the first trivia round, and I'm so excited to be doing another one. Uh, maybe not against you, Rachel, because uh, I'm usually really good at trivia, but I feel like you kick my ass. Uh, so, um, but please uh, preface the evening. What is it going to look like? So we have five categories. Um, the first is national cinemas. Then we have film festivals, movie firsts, cuisine of the screen, and adaptations, and. The- as far as I know, you can structure the questions however you want, but each question will generally be one point. And if you stump both of the other players, then you get a point as well. Cool. I think that sounds self-explanatory. Uh, I'm ready whenever uh, both of you are. James, what about you? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Rachel, take it away. Sure. Sure. All right, so first category is National Cinemas, and the way we're structuring it is that the other two are typing in the chat and will submit, and then I will say yay or nay. So, in 2012, Wajida became the first movie made entirely in which country? I feel like this is one that I should know. I feel like you've done, you've either talked to me about it, or you've done it on the world of movies. I'm pretty sure I've talked to both of you about this, actually. Oh, God. Okay, can you repeat the question? In 2012, Wajida became the first movie made entirely in which country? Oh, God. You got a 1 in 197 uh, shot at it. Uh, <laughs> well, if you get rid of a lot of the obvious countries that wouldn't have been, you know, applicable, like Spain or the United States. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I can see typing going on. Yeah, I just, yes. I just said a random country because I'm like, I know I've heard you say it before. It's just. Okay, okay. do you guys have answers? I... Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's the right one, but okay, let us know when to submit. Okay, let's submit. 
Okay, Andrea said Macedonia. Uh, it's now called North Macedonia. And then James yes. had Bolivia. Neither of you were even on the right continent. It's Saudi Arabia. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So Saudi Arabia has not had a feature film made entirely within its borders until 2012. Budget is a very good movie. I would highly recommend it. Really? That's that's absurd. I didn't really... Because there's a lot of Saudi Arabian cinema, but it wasn't made in Saudi Arabia. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, even though I got that question wrong, that's amazing trivia. Very sad trivia. It's a good fact. So uh, I guess you guys have to give it a shot now. Yeah, I'll go next. We all know that in 1927, the sound picture started on a mainstream level. They're known as talkies back then. And yeah, uh, a lot of countries took a while to, to get around to, you know, the implementation of sound cinema. But what was the very first theater anywhere in the world? to screen talkies on a consistent basis. Was it, I've got multiple choice. Was it Toronto's Review Cinema? New York City's Rivoli Theater? Paris's Grand Rex? Or the Los Angeles Chinese Theater? Okay, I've got mine. Okay, I've got a guess. Uh, Whenever you're ready, three, two, one. Okay, uh, both Rachel and James said the Grand Rex in Paris. Um, if my research is correct, it's actually the Rivoli Theater in New York City. I almost went with that. Yeah, Paris is a really good guess because I know that France is up there alongside the United States when it comes to the uh, the forefront of cinematic technology back in the early days. But yeah, with the you know the whole thing with talkies, it was a very uh, studio based thing, which uh, makes the most sense in the United States with the uh, you know the pushing of films like the Jazz Singer, which uh, for listeners at home is not actually the first talkie, and I I will die on this hill. It is not. It's not even close to being the first talkie. So let's stop celebrating awful movies. Anyway, James, what is your question? What theater hosted the first permanent IMAX installation? Oh my god. <laughs> is this just like a guess? Do we have options? No, it's just a guess. Oh my god. Oh, uh, oh my god. I have a really, really random guess, but we'll see. Okay, I, I have a shot in the dark. I don't. I, I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, shall we both go for it? Yep, in three... Two, one. Cinerama Dome, Science World, Vancouver. Andreas, where is the Cinerama Dome? Where is it? It's uh, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, okay. Uh, both are wrong. It is actually it was actually at the Cinesphere at Ontario Place in Toronto, Canada. Oh, this is the one that we should know. Oh, I knew it was invented in Canada, but the permanent one I didn't know. Um, yep. Oh, it was it was it was the first official permanent installation because they tried a couple different formats of it before it was established as IMAX and then I think they first tested IMAX in Japan but in 1971 was the first permanent IMAX screen installation I had no idea it was actually that old I'm so mad I feel like I could have actually gotten this I know Science World did some kind of um, Science World Vancouver did some kind of big step in IMAX but I think it might have been Omnimax like the invention of Omnimax oh uh... Which, I'm visiting Science World for the first time in a week or two, so yay. 
Oh my god, release your inner five-year-old Andreas, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I, I do on a daily basis, I'm, I'm quite juvenile. Anyway, at the end of that round, uh, since everybody got stumped and nobody got a single answer, we are all tied at one, because we managed to stump everybody. So yeah, things are getting heated. What is our next topic and question, Rachel? Our next topic is going to be film festivals. So mine is the first ever Seattle International Film Festival offered a secret preview screening of which cult classic? Festival and cult classic could be anything. This one was a secret screening. Secret screening? Mm-hmm. A secret preview oh, this screening. Is, this is I'll, I'll tell you more about it when you guess. <laughs> I don't think it's this, but I honestly don't know. Okay. Alrighty, I'm ready to go whenever you are. I'm ready to go. Go for it, guys. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. Okay, Andreas said El Topo, and James said that that classic, I have no clue. It was, it was, guys, it was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Are you kidding? I was oh. going to say that, but I thought that was too <laughs> obvious. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So they had this secret preview screening, and nobody was allowed to talk about it, and they managed to keep a lid on it. I think it had only screened once in the United States before, and it wasn't quite a cult hit yet, but it became that later. I, I, I'm serious. I was actually going to say that, but I thought it was too obvious, and I was like, nah. Uh, also, I've has nobody gotten the right answer yet? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I... I guess we'll see if that changes or not with my question, um, also pertaining to film festivals. We're bringing things back to Toronto, uh, I guess, because, uh, you know, the whole thing with Ontario Place should have been obvious. Um, let's talk about TIFF, back when it was known as the Festival of Festivals. In case you didn't know, that was the original name of the Toronto International Film Festival. One of the biggest proponents of the Best Picture race at the Academy Awards is what wins the People's Choice Award at TIFF. But that always that wasn't always the case. In fact, it really wasn't until the 2000s. So when you think of this answer, it's going to be something quite different. What, and this is multiple choice, so I'll give you options. What was the very first People's Choice winner at the Toronto International Film Festival? Was it Girlfriends? The Apprenticeship of Duddy Cavitz or Duddy Kravitz, A Star Is Born, the Barbara Streisand one, or the Shootist. I'm ready to go if James is. Ready to go. Okay. Three, two, one. LLZ, see vous plaît. Well, I can tell you this: we finally have somebody with the right answer. Um, Rachel put uh, Duddy Kravitz. Or, you know, the full title being The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, which is one of the most popular uh, Canadian films of the 70s wave. And James, you put Girlfriends, and the correct answer is Girlfriends, which is one of the earliest independent masterpieces. This was done by Claudia Weil. Um, yeah, James, you get a point. We got to catch up to him, Andreas. Well, you're tied with him because he stumped us both last question. I, I'm the lowest. I've got to catch up. No, I think we all have three points because we all, or we all have one, we have one point each and then James just got a point. Because we yep. stumped and, everybody and, uh, Rachel, for you like also have one three, just... four questions now. Yeah. 
Yep, and you stumped us again in your last question, so you're two and James is two and oh, I'm right. one. Right, oh, right, wow. right, 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 okay, oh, right. I can't yeah. math. I, nobody yeah, ever gets so into I, film because they're good at uh, math. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're, uh, I don't know, Christopher Nolan, I guess. Anyway, um, James, I'm Alright, so, so my, mine's got to be an easy one. Where did the Sundance Film Festival get its name from? Oh, okay. Easy. Okay, I'm ready to go. Um, okay, I'm ready to go. Reveal your answers. Andreas put Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, co-founded, because the co-founder is Robert Redford, and you said Ski Resort in Utah. Is there a ski resort in Utah with the name Sundance? No, I think I got it mixed up, but because um, there are a lot of ski resorts named Sun something. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, the correct answer was Andreas's answer, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because mm-hmm. Robert Redford's character was the Sundance Kid. I should have gotten that. I should have made the connection, but it was just not on my mind. <laughs> and now we are all tied at two apiece, because um, I got a question right, James got a question right, and Rachel, trivia queen of them all, uh, stumped us both yet again. So let's see if anything changes in the third round. But right now we're all tied. We're all doing pretty well. All right. Well, um, for the next category, I have movie firsts, which is a very broad category, as you can imagine. So my question is, which iconic sound was first featured in the movie Distant Drums? I don't think it's this, but I'm going to put it yeah, put it, and, and see if it works. I'm ready when you are. Okay. okay. Three, two, one. Yes, you both got it right. It is the Wilhelm scream. James, maybe you can edit a scream in here so that people remember what it sounds like. It's actually really funny. I watched the scene from Distant Drums. By the way, Distant Drums looks god-awful. It's like the most problematic of all problematic westerns. And um, there's it's a battle, but they put the Wilhelm scream on every single character that gets killed in the battle. So it's just this pile up of Wilhelm screams. And interesting fact, the person who is believed to have recorded that sound... Uh, later wrote Flying Purple People Eater. Wait, so I've only ever seen like one clip from this film because it's in uh, so many compilations of the Wilhelm scream. They used it throughout the entire film? No, it's piled up in one scene, in a battle scene. Oh, I see. Well, okay, but they still like use it again and again and again. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, because it's like 10 people dying in the scene. They all make the, exactly the same scream when they die, and it sounds really weird. Yeah, it's funny. I remember uh, we discussed it uh, in a when I was in a recording class and uh, my teacher said uh, the Wilhelm scream over the years, he said, it's how uh, audio engineers talk to each other. Yeah. But when you know the scream, you literally hear it every time it comes up. Like, and it's always in the weirdest spots. You like, it shows up in star Wars. Uh, It's in reservoir dogs. Yes. When Mr. Pink is on the run. And it's almost become a parody on its own. Like, people don't take it seriously anymore. It's one of the best sound effects ever, though. <laughs> Alrighty, so... Um, no Wilhelm scream in any of the films that I'm about to bring up. At least I don't think so. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but because of the Hollywood code of many of the rules, one of the main rules was you couldn't show a gunshot and a wound on the same on the screen at the same time. So you would always have to cut in between to showcase that this is just movie magic and nothing actually happened. However, in the midst of the new Hollywood movement, which obliterated the Hollywood code once and for all, which was the very first film, uh, apparently the very first film 
to show a gunshot and a wound on screen at the same time. Would you like me to give you options again for a multiple choice? Sure. Okay, so uh, first gunshot and wound on screen. We've got The Godfather, In the Heat of the Night, Bonnie and Clyde, or Chinatown. Alrighty, how's everyone doing? Um, I'm just changing my answer super quick, so. Okay. Okay. Alright. Okay, if we're both ready. Yep, three, two, one. Um, Rachel, what was your initial answer before you changed it? I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong yet. It was, uh, forget it, forget it, Andreas. It's Chinatown. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay, get it. Um... So the answer you ended up putting was in the heat of the night for you put it as heat. And I was like, heat in the 90s? Really? No, in the heat of the night. And James put Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, once again, one of you got it right. And uh, yep, it wasn't Chinatown. It was Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde was a very gory film for its time, including the bloodbath at the end of the film. The scene specifically is the one where they're breaking away from the bank, and it's noteworthy not just because of being the first film to show a gunshot and wound at the same time, but also because it is the first blood drawn when they were supposed to just be robbing banks, so now they're known as wanted murderers. So, Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, James, uh, take it away. Alright, so I've mentioned this one before, so let's see how well you guys remember the random things I say. So, what was the first film to be color-corrected in its entirety using a digital intermediate? Oh, I know you mentioned this, too. Color-corrected? Yes. So, not like black and white turned to color, but color-corrected. Or it could encompass that as well, I guess. Um, no, it's, it's, it's not a colorization. It's color-corrected like okay. post-production color-correction. Okay. I don't know if I'm right, but I'm gonna, I've got my answer. You guys both good to go? And reveal your answers. Rachel put elephant and Andreas put Jaws. Uh, both are wrong. It is actually the Coen brothers. Oh, brother, where art thou? Right. Yes. Okay. James is killing us, Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and the story behind that was the um, the color timer who was originally doing it and trying to do it you know, the photochemical way. He was, you know, he was trying to get you know, he'd get the the that distinct sepia tone that you see in the movie, but he would lose like all the blue skies and like other colors oh. that just it, it just it would constantly be thrown off no matter what he tried. So they were like, oh, okay, let's do it digitally because then we can kind of isolate certain areas. Which previously, uh, digital color correction was primarily used in music videos, so that's why I feel like 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 late nineties, like early two thousand music videos have like really bizarre colors. That's why. Okay. okay, that makes sense. Uh, the reason why I put Jaws is I know it was one of the earliest uh, instances of a color color stock film that was trading magenta, and I felt like maybe they were trying to fix master copies or something. I wasn't sure, but okay. <laughs> Sounds good. At the end of that round, uh, Rachel, you're not joking. Um, yeah, James has five. I have three, and you have two, I believe. Um yeah, I guess anything can happen. Shall we turn any of these into a double round so we can catch up? Uh, I don't think either of them are tough enough, to be honest. Like, last time it was obscure films, but... That's true, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do we have next? We have Cuisine of the Screen. 
Love it. Alright, so here's my question. Despite a popular misconception, this movie's title does not refer to the main character, but instead to the dish cooked in the film. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I know what it is. I feel like I should know this. <laughs> this sounds like something we've talked about before. Right, I'm ready. How about you, Andreas? I am ready, yes. All right, three, two, one. Okay, pass. so James said pass, and Andreas said ratatouille, which is correct. So I cannot believe how many people think that the name of the rat in that movie is ratatouille. No, the rat's name is Remy, and the dish that is featured in the movie is called ratatouille. It's a traditional French dish with lots of vegetables, and it um, it is not the name of the rat. Sorry, guys. Uh, first off, I adore that film. That's why it, it popped in my head. I actually, uh, I always said when I finally have my own place and my own kitchen and I want to get experimenting with cooking, I want to get like a stuffed Remy, like uh-huh. a little plush toy and have him in the kitchen. And lo and behold, I do have one. I don't so think yes, you've ever I seen hold... the movie. Oh, you must. Oh, you would love it, James. I think we, uh, we have a smorgasbord pick on our hands. Uh, <laughs> Ratatouille, you know, when people talk about Pixar classics they talk about wally which is you know certainly the greatest pixar film quite possibly toy story but uh once people watch ratatouille it's a part of the conversation and i'm dead serious you, you like you have to see it that said i'm still bitter persepolis lost to it i mean it's tough because i love both films anyway uh we will uh we will have an animation showdown down the road at some point so um for this one, I'm going to the small screen. Uh, I, I went with television shows, and I'll tell you why. Um, a lot of TV series have uh, like ongoing restaurant chains or fast food or one-offs that kind of leave an impression. So, um, and this is multiple choice. So, uh, if you could always take a stab in the stab in the dark if you need to. Which of these is not a fast food restaurant from any television show? And if it is, I somehow made one up and got it correct. I don't know how. But which of these is not a fast food restaurant from any television show? Is it Los Pollos Hermanos, Red Wheelbarrow Barbecue, The Top Hot Dog Shop, or Hop Sings? I only recognized one of those, so this is going to be fun. I think I know which one it is. I don't is. know any of those, so... <laughs> I'll let you know where they are from once uh, once I give it the answers. Okay, if you're both ready in three, two, one. James said the Top Hot Dog Shop, and Rachel said the Red Wheelbarrow Barbecue. So, Los Boyos Hermanos was the most obvious one. That's from Breaking Bad. Hop Sings is a single-off episode from Seinfeld, where, uh, uh, you know, there's a, it's the episode about communism, and uh, Elaine gets her boyfriend blacklisted from Hop Sings, kind of like, yeah, like the, the Hollywood blacklist, which is hilarious. And the Red Wheelbarrow Barbecues from Mr. Robot, the answer is the Top Hot Dog Shop. That does not exist. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rachel. I'm sorry, Rachel. I'm really sorry. The top hot dogs. That just sounded phony to me. Like, that sounds like something you'd see in, like... I just thought it was too obvious. That's (laughs) like a primetime cartoon place. Like, I'd see that probably in, like, The Simpsons or, like, Family Guy. But then why did you pick it? Because, like, I mean, it could have been from one of those. I should have said Krusty Burger as one of them. It would have been that would have been too obvious though. No, I, I think it's just I think it just sounded a little too obvious. It sounds like it'd be from something like that, but I was like the top hot dog shop, like it it 
it kind of rhymes. That's why I was like suspicious of it. And as we all know, the top hot dog shop is Weenie Hut Juniors from SpongeBob. Anyway, James, <laughs> what is your what is your, what is your question? Weenie Hut Juniors. Oh, that episode's classic. Rachel, I think I killed him. <laughs> all right. So, what are the two options available for the five dollar milkshake from Pulp Fiction? Oh shoot! Oh. Oh God, I don't remember, and I don't want to spend fifty years on this. So I'm just gonna type what I wish I had in my in a milkshake right now. Okay, I think I know what it is, but I, I probably yep. You both good? Okay, one, two, three. So see, Rachel said Kahlua and vodka. Andreas said Amos and Andy. Andreas, you are half right. Damn it! I knew it. I don't know what the other because one is. Because the <laughs> options were Martin and Lewis and Amos and Andy. Oh damn it! Okay, and I thought it was like, Martin oh. and Lewis. Oh yeah, because it's like chocolate and vanilla, right? Uh, I don't even. I don't even know if they've actually explained that. Oh god! Oh man! You know, Jack Rabbit Slims <laughs> was the ultimate themed diner. The Martin and Lewis and Amos and Andy. Yeah, you're right. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> Okay, so James gets another point. Um, <laughs> uh, the score right now, Rachel has... See, Rachel, was it wise to make it that if we get stumped, the other person gets the point? Because... I uh, he's killing us. <laughs> Rachel, you're at two. I'm at four. James is at seven. Oh, really? <laughs> James oh my God. is at seven. Yes. <laughs> because of your last two questions alone, and I feel like... Uh, I feel like with the amount that Rachel's gotten mine wrong and James has gotten it right, I feel like uh, James is killing us. Well, okay. <laughs> On to the final round. Adaptations. Right. So adaptations, also pretty broad. All right. So here's mine. It is rumored that the CIA had a hand in changing the ending of this novel's adaptation. Oh, the CIA had... A hand in the changing of this novel's ending, like when the, it came the film, to the big like screen. when the novel became a film, right? The oh CIA God. was like, uh-uh. Oh God, I don't know, but I'm. Uh... Come on, I need that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably. I don't know if I got this right, but I think I've got a guess. What about you, James? All right, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. All right, three, Wait, two, on. one. Okay, Rachel so gets a point. Andreas said Lolita, and then James said Rachel gets a point, which is the best movie ever made. Rachel gets a point. Um, so it's actually Animal Farm. Oh, what? really? Yeah, so Animal Farm was, it's a story that tells the founding of the Soviet Union through farm animals. It's by George Orwell, who also wrote 1984. So, like, the pigs are the ruling class, the, the crow represents the Orthodox Church, um, the the dogs are the secret police. It, it's a really complex novel, and it's this huge allegory. In fact, I think it's pretty much the first thing that seventh grade teachers teach for allegory. And... Um, it was made into an animated film in the 50s, and it was supposed to have a bleak ending like the book did, but uh, it was suddenly changed, and there are a, there's a lot of speculation about what happened, but it's believed now that the CIA may have had a hand in it to sort of show that they could defeat communism, basically. That's so disappointing, because I've never actually seen the film. I've purposely stayed away from it, because I know it's 
apparently not a great adaptation. I didn't know it went to this extent. Um, the book is one of my all-time favorites. It sounds like it's begging to be remade. What do you guys think? Yeah, like if... Uh, okay. uh, maybe not Pixar. Uh, Isn't it getting remade? What about Cartoon Saloon in Ireland? They do a good job. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like they would actually treat it with the seriousness and, uh, you know, not censor it. Uh, that's, a dis- that's disappointing because legitimately, I think my favorite page in all of the books that I've ever read is the final page in Animal Farm because it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis is directing Animal Farm, a new one. Right, okay. we were talking about this. Isn't that just perfect? Yeah, I mean, actually, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Please don't censor Andy, please. So, Rachel gets a point. Do Fantastic. you think the CIA could stand up to Andy Serkis? I think not. <laughs> uh, no, but um, anyway, uh, on, to, on to my question, another uh, multiple choice. So, um, I'm a very big fan of uh, Gillian Flynn, and she has actually um, had a number of her works adapted to the big screen, uh, big or small screen, rather. Um, However, one of these is not actually an adaptation of a book of hers, and I want to specify that. It's not that she didn't work on this film. It's not an adaptation of one of her novels or series. So... Um, which of these following projects, movie or TV series, is not an adaptation of a Gillian Flynn book? Is it Gone Girl, Widows, Sharp Objects, or Dark Places? I've read every book Gillian Flynn's ever written, so. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, I think you might know it then. Okay. Uh, whenever you're ready, three, two, one. Okay, so uh, James said Dark Places, Rachel said Widows. Uh, Rachel, you're catching up. Uh, Widows. So the thing with Widows is Gillian Flynn worked on the film and co-wrote it with Steve McQueen, but it's an adaptation of a Linda LaPlante book. Uh, Linda LaPlante was also known for her work uh, involving Prime Suspect, which is a fantastic series. Um, Yeah, so Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, Dark Places were all books that Gillian Flynn wrote. She straight up helped write the screenplay for Widows. It's not an adaptation of her book. Perfect. So uh, Rachel's catching up, but James still has the lead. Let's find out what happens in this last question. All righty. So true or false? Legally Blonde is not an original story, but an adaptation of a novel of the same name. What? <laughs> uh... True or false, Legally Blonde is not an original story, but it's an adaptation. Um, God. Well, I mean, if it's a part of the adaptation category, okay. Well, but he could be just trolling us. I know. Uh, Elephant. I'm going to guess Elephant. (laughs) Okay. I I think I have the answer. It's probably wrong. You guys both good? Mm Mm-hmm. And reveal your answers. And you're both right. It's not an original Ooh, story. Hey. It is actually based on a novel. I knew it was a book, but uh, I couldn't remember if it was the same name. I was wondering if you were trying to trip us up with the same name bit. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was the same. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even realize it was based on a book. I was like, oh, really? It was the author was writing about her experiences in law school, except the difference is she went to Stanford. Ah, uh, instead of it's, it's Harvard, right? Yeah. In the film. I also, yeah. It also made me think of this funny little rant someone wrote about how... Um, the premise is ridiculous yeah. because based on her resume and credentials, she would have been accepted to the school. No questions asked. 
That's true. I have a quick funny story about uh, Legally Blonde. Yeah, with Legally Blonde, I was a satanic metal-loving teenager as a kid. Um, we had a teacher who was discussing stuff in civics, and she brought up, you know, the pet ethics and Legally Blonde, and I raised my hand, and I corrected her and said, it's actually Legally Blonde too when that happens, and uh, I got embarrassed in front of the entire class. Just imagine the kid in a Slayer shirt admitting to having seen both Legally Blondes. But <laughs> That's awesome. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless uh, back to the topic of embarrassment. Uh, we didn't do too badly, Rachel. We ended up with five apiece, but James still had the lead with seven, so it looks like, <laughs> unless we want to toss in James some... Whatever have yous. Yeah, James, you win by two points. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm not usually good at trivia, but somehow I won. Well, uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, none of us did poorly, at least. I feel like we all did quite well, and I feel like we had some really interesting questions. And I just love learning about film and gushing about film. So let's continue to do that, because where can you listeners find us, Rachel? We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the K-Cut, and if you follow along with Cinematic Smorgasbord, Shaolin Soccer is our collective pick, and then The Graduate, Freddy Got Fingered, and the one that Andreas assigned to me that I'm totally 100% going to watch, The Color Pomegranates, is, uh, those are our individual picks. Fantastic. Shall we do weekly recommendations, or just wrap it up? Sure, I'll do a weekly recommendation. Okay, so we did ones about quiz shows last time, and I think we basically exhausted that genre. So I am going to go with... Um, actually, skip me. I need to think of a movie about smart people. <laughs> okay, so if we're doing uh, films about um, intelligence and whatnot, hmm, I'm going to go with... Okay, it's not... Really quite the same thing, but uh, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I adore. It's my favorite thing by Michel Gondry, outside of his music videos. I love the idea that, you know, there's like the erasure of one's mind, uh, which I feel like is important when it comes to uh, breaking apart all the pieces of your psyche. Um, you know, just removing one person from it is uh, bound to destroy how you perceive oneself. Additionally, I feel like it's a very trivia-heavy film, especially with all of the practical effects that are just gorgeous to watch. Not really a trivia or game show-related film, but Eternal Sunshine. All right, so my movie is about the nature of genius and intelligence, and that is Goodwill Hunting, which was also Robin Williams' only Oscar win. So that is my pick for this week's uh, recommendation. Fantastic. James, what is your random recommendation? Yeah, I'm going to go game show themed. I'm going to go with Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, that makes sense. How did we all collectively forget the most famous game show movie of all time until we got to the second episode? I know. It's like literally like about who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> well, that was the K-Cut. Congratulations, James. Uh, until we meet again in uh, this uh, trivial limbo, uh, we are not going into the L-Cut. <laughs> <laughs>